And welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports. I'm Vince, and I'm here with my co-host, Stevie D. And Stevie D, the NFL was all abuzz for the last 72 hours. And I have to tell you, I, I was teetering between being a cloud nine and being in a deep depression. But then at the end of the day, I'm okay with it. And I'm talking about the Antonio Brown saga that swept the NFL. Yeah, you know, I feel for you on the range of emotion there. Um, at least you had the opportunity to have a range of emotion uh, where my, my my team decided to stand stand down on trying to get their young quarterback a weapon. At least you guys at least made an attempt. Um, it sounds like the dollars just couldn't line up on what AB wanted in guaranteed money there up in Buffalo. So, you know, it's it's hard to understand exactly what happened because we're never going to get the true story of exactly what transpired. But Brandon Bean came out and said, you know, we kicked the tires a little bit. We wanted to see uh, what the Steelers wanted for Antonio Brown. And all of a sudden, Ian Rappaport comes out with this this breaking news that the Steelers and the Bills had agreed in principle on a deal that would ship Antonio Brown to the Bills. So they were just kind of trying to work out some of the particulars. And I'm watching all over Twitter. I'm all over Instagram. <laughs> I think I sent you a text in the middle of the night saying that the Bills, the Bills had just uh, traded for Antonio Brown. But then, me up, by the way. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but then all of a sudden, Antonio Brown says, wait a minute, this is fake news, right? And so, you know, I'm listening to the radio station back in Buffalo. And, and you know, I, I have all the media outlets. I'm, I'm going crazy on Twitter. And slowly but surely, I'm still waiting, right? Because whenever there's a big trade, whenever there's big news of something going on, you have to have that second and third confirmation. And I'm not talking about just the hacks that are out there that are, oh, you know, we, we heard it first or we, you know, no, I want to get it from the officials, right? And so from NFL perspective, Ian Rappaport's one of those guys, Jay Glazer's one of those guys, and Adam Scheffner is one of those guys. But we only got it from Ian Rappaport. I, I needed Glazer and Chepner to to send some sort of truth to the report that was going through. It's funny because this is the second time. Wasn't it the second time with him making a mistake? Didn't he make I'm trying to remember the other mistake he made. Well, Adam Scheffner has made plenty of mistakes. Maybe I'm getting confused with Scheffner then. because uh, there was another big one that he 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 messed up one during the season. But yeah, I feel for you. At least your team was in the hunt. They get a three and a five for AB, the Raiders, and the Jets just kind of hang around and say, yeah, we're, we're not going to do it. We got over $100 million to spend, uh, and, and we don't uh, – they didn't even call to see how serious it was, so it's a little disappointing. At least make the phone call in, in the last 72 hours to see what is possible. Well, we don't know who, who called and who didn't. Oh, the you Jets already came out and said they weren't, they weren't in on it. They said they didn't kick the tires. Uh, they kicked the tires when he first became available, and they moved on pretty quickly. And maybe that first-round pick scared them away. But when you know you need weapons for your young quarterback, you don't – within the last 72 hours when you know the trade failed with, with Buffalo, that you don't try and get in on it just to see what, what they're asking for now? Tell me some Lie to me. <laughs> Tell me something. Well, you know – I really, I really would love to peek behind the curtain and see what happened as far as 
all of the trade talks. And, and quite possibly, uh, Pittsburgh may have been trying to do a bait and switch. Uh, maybe Antonio Brown was trying to, and, and Drew Rosenhaus. He, he's he's not uh, without guilt in all of this. You know, I'm curious, what was the deal that Pittsburgh and Buffalo were talking about? There was rumors that they were going to swap first-round picks, which I wouldn't be in favor of moving out of that ninth pick for Antonio Brown when you know that he could be had for much less, like you mentioned, like what the Raiders got him for. The Raiders only gave up a third-round and a fifth-round pick. They kept all three of their first-round picks plus their second-round pick. Amazing trade by the Raiders, right? Now we'll see if – you know, AB is ultimately going to be happy there, but maybe uh, John Gruden's uh, mastermind process, you know, he's trusting his process. Um, uh, let's get rid of everybody and build it up again. And now with AB, you know, you have three first round picks. You got that second round high second rounder, which is real, really almost, you can look at it as almost four first round picks. <laughs> right. Yeah, you um, can. That's what they say. Anyway, when you get the first pick of the second round. The Raiders could be in really good shape if they don't, you know, probably, you know, crap the bed on their picks. They they potentially going to have a lot of young talent infused into that into that locker room. So you say, you know, when you when you look from a Raider perspective, they they traded their number one wide receiver for a first round pick. Does Antonio Brown replace that in spades? Yeah. I, I, I oh yeah. I I don't think so. You traded you traded Amari Cooper for Dallas's number one, and then you trade for Antonio Brown, and you only give up a three and a five, and you have now Antonio Brown, who's much better than Amari Cooper. But think think about what he's going to bring to that young Raider locker room. What if he doesn't like the the pass that that Carter's throwing him? What if he says, "Oh no." No, you got to put the ball over here. I mean, that was one of the fears with Buffalo, right? Josh <laughs> Allen would overthrow him, underthrow him, and all of a sudden he's throwing tantrums. Is he going to be the distraction? Are they strong enough, I guess, is where I'm going. Are they strong enough in the locker room that they can withstand his antics? Do we really know what happened in Pittsburgh, though? Do we really know? We, we say the antics, right? We're, we're using that term antics. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defend AB even though he, he's not with the Jets. I want to defend them here. Do we really know? Well, we know he he Facebook live during a team meeting in the locker room. Instead instead of being there listening to what the coach is saying, he had to have somebody say, "Hey, pay attention." We we know that he quit in the week seventeen. You know, however you want to put it. I'm not a fan of that. But what happened in the locker room between Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown? And the stance of the organization that clearly, after the fact, made it, made their, they threw the line in the sand. We're with Ben and we're not with AB. Sure. Agreed. So, what we don't know, when, when you're an outsider and you don't really know, how long has this been going on? Has this been going on for years? And AB's just been staying quiet, being the good soldier and just putting up with it. Now he's just like, you know what? I just had enough of it. But aren't and you the guy that says you have to be professional? Yeah, of course. So don't you, regardless of what's going on, your contract. I think I think you're I think you're professional to a point, and then if it it goes goes and goes, I, yeah, I do think you can. Um, there's only so much people can take. 
but do you do that after the season? This was a game they didn't know the outcome of the Baltimore game. Sure. No, I am disappointed they didn't play. But again, what happened in that locker room? And he maybe just said, you know what? I just, I just had, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Do, do I think somewhere Antonio Brown perhaps says, man, I, I made the wrong move. It is what it is. And I'm just, I'm not going to come out and apologize for it, but I made a mistake. Yeah, maybe, maybe he is. Or maybe it was just that bad. He says, you know what? I, I just can't do it. I, I love you to Pittsburgh fans. I just can't do it because what's happening in this locker room with, with the ownership and Ben Roethlisberger and how, how they're talking to me and how they're doing this. I, I'm just done. I am done. I'm done with this organization. I, I can hear that. I, I can I can't, I'm not in a situation, but I know for me personally, look, I, I can admit when I, when I do something wrong, I'd be the first one to apologize if I did something wrong. She apologized to my wife all the time, right? <laughs> I did something wrong. I'm sorry. But in, in all seriousness, I don't have a problem with it. But if you take my buttons to a different area, yeah, I, I'm going to I'm gonna be a jerk, and that's it. I'm done, right? And so maybe, maybe that's what kind of – took AB to, to that level. I think the, the landing spot should have been not the Raiders, a, a place like the Saints. Um, trying to think of what other, maybe the Chargers. Yeah, but now you got to think about cap space. Do people have the money? Sure, sure. Right, and, other needs that you have to fill, right? And so it, 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 Antonio Brown, he wanted more money. He did, and supposedly that that was the sticking point with the trade with the Bills was financial, right? They weren't able to work out the guaranteed money that he was looking to get. That's what's being reported now. I don't know if that's being reported to save face or not, but certainly the Raiders had the money. But, you know, when you, when you look at a trade, you have to look at it from the entire pie, right? And part of the pie was can you afford the player? Another part of the pie is the compensation that you're giving to the other team. But a big piece of that pie is how you will mesh with the other 51 guys in that locker room. Do you have a coach who's strong enough, strong-willed to be able to handle you? I think Gruden can probably handle him, right? Gruden handled Keyshawn. Uh, so I, I don't see that being an issue. But you have a young team that's getting even younger with all these draft picks. You have a quarterback who is still, we'll say, in the developing stages, right? He's, he's still learning his way. Are they going to be able to control that wide receiver that's going to say, I was open on every single play? Why didn't you throw me the ball? I would have had that. Why is that pass so high? Why is it so low? Right? If you have a Drew Brees in there, well-established, that conversation isn't happening. We know that. Valid point. Um, I guess we'll we'll find out. I, yeah. I don't know what else to say on that point other than it, it's valid. How, is he going to be a disruption? Perhaps that he's out of Pittsburgh with it's, all the distractions were there because he didn't get along with some people. Maybe maybe it will change that he's going to Oakland. I mean, John Gruden said he's the hardest working guy in the NFL. So, And, and that's true. Teammates have, have come to his defense as far as, you know, how hardworking and, and how he is into his craft. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens, right? Um, as I mentioned, all the things that concern me, those are things that concern me even when the trade was in place, supposedly in place with Buffalo. Because Buffalo on the offensive side of the ball, you had Shady, and Shady was going to have to be the one to really step up and, and kind of control A.B. 
And I don't well, know if he, if he could have done that. And I know Josh Allen wouldn't be the one to do that. Well, I I will I will I can't sit here and say that that thought process that thought did not cross my mind. I have to be honest with you. If we traded for AB, what AB would we have? Right? Is it true what they're saying out of Pittsburgh, or do I take AB at his word? Right? Because you don't know. So yeah, I, I guess in a way I've thought about that. I like to think that Antonio Brown. Uh, I like to think the positive side of Antonio Brown, and, and that's why I wanted him with the Jets because he is such a dynamic player. But in the end, when you're trying to build a culture um, of not being a, a me guy, if you will, maybe you know, maybe the Jets said, you know what, that's a chance we we can't we can't take. Right. So, and then now, do the Steelers Steelers do the do the Raiders go after now Le, uh, Le'Veon Bell in free agency? Those are some of the rumored reports. I guess those guys are boys, <laughs> so it, that that would be a benefit. Could you imagine? You know, just what ten week ten weeks ago, or or however long it was, we were absolutely vilifying the Raiders for what they were doing to their roster, and now all of a sudden you'll have three number ones, a number two, Antonio Brown, and potentially Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, that team that team will get better very quick. Yeah, but it, it's too bad though. Le'Veon Bell's going to sign with the Jets, and and that's it's going to be the end of that. Deal. So <laughs> that fairy tale is going to end in, in on Oakland. You on drugs? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Perhaps, but I can't dream. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, <laughs> but. <laughs> I can't stop laughing on Le'Veon Bell going to the Jets. Because you know don't... it's a possibility, and you're afraid that he's going to go to the Jets. You can just come out and say it. You're afraid that he's going to go with the Jets. Oh, I can't wait till If he went there, I couldn't wait for us to play him. And then yeah. he makes you guys look like a bunch of fools on defense. Yeah. Once he, once again. You on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what well, it – We'll we'll see where Le'Veon Bell ends up. It'll be interesting. I know the Raiders, they you know, they had some cash and, and even if they sign these guys, they're still gonna be in a rebuild process. Sure, sure. But they're rebuild and that, and that's where I don't think Le'Veon Bell, unless they're gonna um pay him the like ridiculous amounts of money, which I don't know if the Raiders have all that kind of money. Maybe they do. Um it's just I think he wants to play for a team that's ready to go. And that's where I, the Jets are in a fit in that, in that fashion. But there's only a, so much of a window where people have money to spend for somebody like Le'Veon Bell and the money that he's going to want. There's only a handful of teams that are going to have that space because if you're going to give him the money he wants, now you got to fill all the other holes. Can teams that are winning that have other holes, can they fill those gaps and sign Le'Veon Bell? That's why I say no, and that's going to come to the Jets. That's why. Okay. That's what. That's how I put my head down on, on the pillow at night. That's what I say to myself. What do they say? If you can't get help here, get help somewhere. So we I called the-, the hotline. <laughs> Stevie D. We had Carly Casserly, Charlie, former GM. You know, now a analyst on all these shows talking about the draft and the combine, and here he comes talking about. Kyler Murray saying Kyler Murray is the worst draft pick. Don't take him. What he did in the interviews is just ridiculous, and he's not worth anything. His measurables don't match up. I mean, just absolutely obliterated Kyler Murray. 
coming out of the combine. And a lot of people stood up to Charlie Casserly and said, what are you doing? You know, what, what's your goal? Why, why are you after this guy? And then all of a sudden, in a sudden about face, Charlie Casserly comes out and he's like, Kyler Murray's the greatest thing since sliced bread. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. You just said a few days ago, you know, that this guy was horrible in the interviews. He doesn't have what it takes to be a quarterback in the NFL. And now you're lauding his potential to be one of the greatest quarterbacks out there. Hey, what's going on with this guy? I don't know, but it makes for good TV. Um, but, you know, and this is the guy that helped the Jets pick RGM. Oh, my Lord. Um <laughs> obviously somebody got in his ear and I don't know if it's the NFL network, um, but I'm sure somebody in one of the state outlets that he works at got in his ear and said, you better issue an apology or say that you got it wrong because that is a weird about face. I have to admit, stand by your words. You said it, stand by it and don't punk out because you, somebody says, Hey, if you don't fix this, we're going to let you go. Think about it. We're, we're talking about potentially the number one draft pick in this year's draft. And you just went to town. I mean, went to town. It it certainly does not bode well for Casserly in the future as far as looking at him as any type of um, insider or draft guru when, I mean, you, you didn't even see the pro day workout before you changed your mind. So where was this coming from? And, and to your point, somebody did get in his ear. Yeah, I had to have, had to have. Uh, besides, does anybody listen to anybody but Mel Kuyper on on draft, uh, draft stuff? <laughs> I thought it was only Mel Kuyper. But, you, you know, when you think about the draft, and we talked about this last week, pretty much once the Senior Bowl is over, you can't listen to anything anybody says about any of these players. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. there's so much lie. There are so many lies, so much contradictory type information that comes up on the players. And a lot of it, and most of the time, it's done so that a player will move up or move down on a draft board and a team can position themselves to pick that player. Ask Dan Marino. He'll tell you all about it. He says it started in 1983. Yeah. Very true, because right, think- Marino drive it. You know, you're talking about potentially uh, the number two because Elway was going to go number one, but the number two quarterback, and you know, he fell all the way down to the Dolphins. Yeah, I hate, I hate that. I hate this part of the year where stories come out on players just because a team wants to leak something out there because they don't want somebody moving, uh, trading up to six to go get a player. Uh, if they, we talk him down, he'll fall. Maybe he'll stay and fall to us at at, at fourteen. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. You were talking about young men and, and their future, and what what like where's the professionalism and the journalism for these players? Oh, there, and, there, there is none. No, and and that's the sad part about it. And that that's this is the first. We want the players to act with respect and and do all the right things, but yet come draft day. On certain plays, it's okay for the adults. Excuse me. I mean, they're all the players are adults, but the adults in the room go around and spread this stuff weeks and and, and months before the draft to try and um, make a power play where a play will fall to them or vice versa. So I think it's sickening. It really is. It, <laughs> I mean, that's how the Jets got Kyle Brady and not Warren Sapp, right? That's how the Jets got Kenny O'Brien and not Dan Marino, because you know 
teams really don't do their homework. They, they, they listen to what's going out there and they don't do enough of their own research to figure out what's true and what's not true. That's right. That's right. You know, speaking of questions being asked, <laughs> did you hear about the question asked at the combine Now, every year there, there's a question that circulates through the media that was asked during the combine. This one, they asked Chris Boyd, do you have two testicles? Who asked this question? That's an important question. That's an important question. Oh, you probably... in, enlighten me. Well, no, it's not really an important question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know they want to ask questions that throw you off to see how you're able to recover. I, I get that, right? They, they asked somebody a couple of years ago in the name alludes me right now about his mother being a prostitute or something along those lines. And it's the questions are designed to kind of throw you off a little bit and to see how you recover. And, and, you know, are you able to keep your composure and, you know, not get upset and all of that, but come on, you, you have to do better than that. You have to do better than that. Put, you know, put a spotlight on him and, you know, ask him about the playbook that he had in college or ask him about something. But I mean, really, you're going to ask a guy, do you have two testicles? Poor, poor by the NFL scouts and GMs that are asking these questions. He should have asked him, do you, I heard a story that you had three. Is this true? <laughs> yes. That's what's made me so fast and strong. Exactly. Or yes, I had one removed so that I, I would be more aerodynamic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I donated one. Somebody needed oh, one, and I was a donor. Right? The That's answer. the answer. That's the answer. the answer. I donated one. He's going to shoot up the draft board. That Matter of fact, didn't I donate it to you? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, 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 that's a strange question. Something should be off limits, and that's one of them. Absolutely. And sticking with the NFL's DVD, the Kansas City Chiefs are, are in the news. Now, they signed Carlos Hyde for away from the Cleveland Browns, which we knew that that was going to happen when the Browns signed Kareem Hunt. So in essence, the Browns traded Carlos Hyde to the Chiefs for Kareem Hunt. Interesting. On paper, doesn't look good <laughs> for the Chiefs. <laughs> I'm telling you. Does not look good. But also is reports that the Chiefs are looking to move D Ford. Now, he was, he was franchised, wasn't he? Yes. He was. So, but there's still rumors out there that they're looking to move him. Uh, Green Bay being a team that would be interested in that. I, I, don't, I can't, I can't see I, how you do that. I, I don't see it either. You, you cut Justin Houston justifiably from a dollar perspective. I, I think he was going to get $22, $23 million, whatever, some ridiculous amount of money. I think they all knew this was coming the day he signed the contract that extension he signed um, after his 22 sack season, he got a monster contract and everybody said 2019 is going to be the year he gets cut because his cap hit is just too high. They won't be able to afford it, but you get rid of Justin Houston and then you're going to trade D Ford. Your defense is already pretty bad to begin with. It just doesn't make sense unless they're going to say, I save $17 million with D Ford on a franchise tag. We cut Justin Houston at 20 something million. I can we can take this money and lock up a Tyreek Hill, right, and, and some other offensive uh, weapons. Maybe you, you start looking at re-signing Patrick Mahomes here soon, and give him a contract and, and lock him up long term, um, earlier earlier than later. I, 
it's just it's interesting. I just don't see it. maybe they say, hey, we're gonna score 40, 45 points a game. And you know, if you beat us by scoring 47, we tip your hat to you. That that's a dangerous oh, yeah. proposition. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 yes, very much so. Because their D their D line is not awful, but you're talking about, I mean, Justin Houston. I mean, they said, well, he didn't have 10 sacks last year. He had nine and a half and he played 12 games. Okay. So if he played the 16, you're looking at 12 to 13 sacks. D Ford is still putting up good numbers. That's a lot of sacks you're giving up. A lot of talent on a defense that wasn't very good. I just don't know where they're going to, I don't, I just don't know where they go defensively. Who do you bring in from a free? Because just because you cut those guys, you, well, we can go sign this guy at a cheaper option. There's no guarantee you're still going to get that guy. Because at the end of the day, the guy's going to say, well, you can come us win a Super Bowl. And if I'm a player, I'm like, well, that's great. But this guy's offering me more guaranteed money. I'm taking the money. Sorry, I'm taking the money. I, playing in a Super Bowl, winning a Super Bowl is great. Me personally, I'm playing for the money. I love the sport, but I'm ultimately I play for money. Right, so do the owners. So I, I just don't know if it's going to be that easy to replace those two guys in the middle that can have enough of an impact on that defense to make them better because they were awful last year. You look at who's out there. If if you were to to trade him, you know you may have a Cameron Wake, but he's thirty seven years old, right? You you have a Sheldon Richardson who is underperforming, and he's coming from a defensive from a defensive in perspective or a defensive tackle perspective. But I don't see, I don't see the quality that's out there uh, for the Chiefs to even think about trading him and replacing him. I, I just don't see it. And, unless the Chiefs look to trade up in the draft and and try and find an edge rusher, edge rusher. Now, um, in the now draft. to that point, yes, there there is a lot of talent out there uh, from the defensive end position. Uh, coming in from the draft. There is a lot of talent. It's deep, probably the deepest that we've seen in the draft in, in quite some time from uh, an edge rusher type position. It's a very no, good point. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting how it's all going to play out. I just don't know if they'll trade them. I don't know if they have the guts to trade them and what the backlash will be in Kansas City here because I wonder how much that goes into team's decisions saying, okay, we cut Justin Houston. Now we're going to get rid of D4. Everybody's going to think we're nuts over here. Um, or do they do one of the Buffalo Bills things and they just tell the fans to trust the process? Oh, that hurt. That, that, that hurt. Well, you know, that it's a shot. <laughs> I got to take him when I got him. <laughs> That's a shot. <laughs> so, but as we move away from the NFL, one of the greatest rivalries in all of sports. No, not Ohio State, Michigan, because how is it a rivalry when you just constantly beat down the other team? So that that's that's not a rivalry. I'm talking about Duke, North Carolina. Leading into the first matchup that they had between Duke, North Carolina, Zion Williamson hurt his knee on the very first play. I, there was like 20 seconds uh, had elapsed from that game when – the infamous split blowout of the shoe and sprained knee takes place. And Carolina went on to beat Duke by double digits. Well, the rematch was set, and the rematch was at Chapel Hill. And they were waiting and ready, but Zion still wasn't out there because he's still recovering. And once again, 
the Tar Heels laid a whooping down on the Duke Blue Devils. The question is, are the super freshmen that, that Duke brought in, talking about Cam Reddish, R.J. Barrett, Trey Jones, these were the guys, along with Zion, to help bring a title to uh, to the Duke Blue Devils. But you miss one guy, and now you can't even stay in the top five? Because the Duke Blue Devils are falling quick. Well, one guy is an important guy. And I think we all know that he's a special basketball player. So may- maybe the other players around him just are missing his leadership qualities on the court besides his play. And that's why they're slipping. There's no doubt about it. What's amazing is that coming into coming into this this year, Zion was the number two ranked out of the top 100, number two ranked college or high school basketball player behind Cam Reddish. Or actually, I'm sorry, behind R.J. Barrett. Um, and we could see R.J. Barrett didn't step up his game. And Cam Reddish, who was number four, didn't step up the, his game because these guys can't handle it. If Zion's on the floor, then all of a sudden they play better. So it really shows you who the number one player is. He will be a New York Nick uh, come next year if everything goes as planned. Uh, that's the frozen envelope so that when those lottery balls go through, that the New York Knicks will end up with the number one pick. That That's what's supposed to happen. You're trying to relive the Patrick Ewing draft. I, I really am. I, I really am. I need whatever needs to be done. We need to have it done because uh, that kid is a is a pure all-out talent. But here's the thing, Stevie D. He's hurt, right? He is hurt. And the reports from uh, down in, in Durham, they're saying that Zion Williamson is back to practicing. No. There, there's no need to go back to practicing. If the guy is hurt, he runs the risk of jeopardizing and actually getting re-injured or injured even more than what he is now. If he's hurt, he's got to sit. If he's healthy, he's got to play. I know there's a lot of money at stake here for this young man, and it's it's easier for me to sit here behind a mic and say it because it's not – it's not me and my money or my impact to what I can have on my family and my, my parents, my siblings, my, my kids in the future, my grandkids and, and all that that can come into play. But if, if, if you're healthy, you signed up to play college basketball, finish out your season. But if he's hurt, I don't take that chance. If there's an ch- opportunity for me because I can't be 100% and now I start favoring something else because I'm making up for, for what's hurt over here and then I get hurt again, and I hurt something else because I'm compensating for something, that, that's not right. I mean, we're talking about supreme athletes, right? The elite of the elite athletes in the world, and you're playing that Division One basketball. You're talking about the elite of the elite. And if you're not healthy, you shouldn't do it. One for your teammates, first and foremost, is your teammates. Because now you put everybody else at risk of losing that game because they believe you're healthy and then you can't do the same thing. You can't run as fast. You can't, your, your passing may be off a little bit. Your, your drive to the hole is going to be off. You're playing your defense. is not going to be the same. So that's first and foremost. And then secondly, you really need to protect yourself if you're hurt for your, your earning potential in the NBA. I agree. I just think two weeks is too fast. 
Now, again, young guy, you know, when you're younger, you you can recover and heal much faster than you can when, you know, you're 35 and 40. And, you know, for me, you know, it seems like I'm injured for life now. Uh, but, you know, a, as a 18, 19 year old, the body and its ability to recover certainly is much faster. But you know that there, when you're out with a knee injury in only two weeks, you need more time. And I think what's in the back of the mind of Coach K uh, there at Duke is the fact that they lost two games to the Tar Heels. So they lost in the rivalry for this year, a nice little sweep. Uh, and now it's time for the ACC tournament. And if they go out early or they lose in the ACC tournament, you're looking at probably a three seed. And potentially, you're even though you have the wins, you're looking at a down season for the Duke Blue Devils. And I think it's what can we get out of these young men while we still have them? It doesn't matter what happens in the future. It's about what can you do for me right now? And that that's the problem that I have. Fair point. So as we segue from there, Stevie D, <laughs> we were talking, and there are some things. We talked about this a little bit. Some things in Major League Baseball that are happening that just makes you scratch your head a little bit, right? We talked about the fact that they were actually proposing a three batter minimum for pitchers coming into a game, but it was just a proposal. Well, recently, recently the major league baseball has entered into an agreement with the Atlantic league and the Atlantic league is going to kind of try some of these new ideas that Major League Baseball has been talking about. One of it being moving the mound back to 62 feet, six inches. Now, moving it back two feet, that, that's a significant difference when you have a pitcher that's throwing 100 miles an hour. Oh, absolutely. It won't be 100 miles an hour anymore. I don't know what the calculation is if you when you move it back 24 inches, but it's definitely going to make that it's definitely going to make that pitcher slower, but also they're going to have to retrain themselves on how to throw the baseball. Cause you're so used to throwing your curveballs at 60 feet, six inches. That's right. Right. Especially from the ages of 14 all the way up. And all of a sudden you're in the majors. You, you, you've been throwing it for eight to 10 years at that distance. Now all of a sudden you're, you're going to make that change. It, it's, that's an interesting rule change from a pitcher, but like, think about, think about those pitchers that pitch on the black. And I think yeah. that goes to what you were saying there. Those pitchers that pitch on the black, there's there's no way you're getting those calls now. Right. You're just going to have to retrain yourself in, on, and how you land when you, your, your landing foot of where you want to throw it for a strike in, in or out. But I'll tell you one thing, what, what may help the hitter, it's going to help the hitter quite a bit. It's going to slow it up and they can see the ball for 20, for two more feet. That's huge. That's huge to be able to recognize that pitch that's coming to get an extra two feet. Huge for a hitter. But what it also can do for a pitcher is give you more movement because now you have two more feet that the ball's got to travel and allow more movement. So that that pitch, again, you have to learn how to command it if it if it's going to have that much more movement. So it's interesting. It is very interesting. I, I don't know. I don't like that one. Um, I, I really like to know really why they want to go 62, um, 62.6 um, inches for for the, the depth. I, I just, that one's confusing to me. I mean, the next one with, 
larger bases, 18 inches instead of 15 inches. I, I mean, is it for safety really more coming down to first base that the, the base is bigger? Like, I don't, I don't know what that's for. So people can hook slide better. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the reasoning behind that is. I think that one will help the stolen base. Well, it's going to shorten up the 90, the 90 feet. So, I mean, you go to a bigger base, it's, it's, it sounds funny, but on each base, it's larger. So you're talking about six inches. Well, think of how many people are thrown out or safe within those six inches. That's right. Um, so you're right on, on that one. I That's interesting. Defensive shifts will be banned? Wow. I mean, I'm okay with that. I mean, it's. It, I mean, I I don't like shortstops playing second base, and I don't like second basemen playing right field. Uh, I know it's you can do anything you want on a baseball field. It just it just looks funny when everybody rotates. I it, to me, it just cheapens the game by that. Right? Well, you know what? I'll tell you one thing about the the shift, which I I don't understand why or how they can't do it. They don't need to have a rule to ban the shifts. All you need to have is the hitter just lay a bunt down or a swinging bunt down into that open area, especially when you have that third baseman playing second. I mean, all all you got to do is just hit it right down the line. And it, you don't have to hit for power. You, you probably will get a double. <laughs> you just make it there because now you got that third baseman having to run all the way back to third. And here you are taking off out of the box. I'm sure you 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 definitely have a single, but you probably could end up at second. Well, no, that's a good point. Where you know, if you just do your job and make an adjustment as a hitter, oh, how about not even bunt? Just make adjustments to your game. If you don't want a shift to be played, learn how to go opposite field more. True. Just do that. <laughs> True. I'm sure it's a lot harder than than it sounds, but change your game. So I, I, it's interesting about the bands being shifted. I'm good with that. The other one they had was a radar-enabled strike zone. Now, I'm a strong believer you have to leave the human element in there. Um, I don't think that radar should uh, replace the, the umpire's judgment between balls and strikes. But certainly, could they help from that? Yeah, maybe so. All right. I think this one, I'm I'm okay with this. To be honest with you, uh, I just like to know how they do that when you have. Uh, I'll use the example of Jose Altuve to Aaron Judge. So Altuve is leading off and Judge is up second. How does this robot-enabled strike zone make that difference between the two hitters? Sure. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. I hopefully the Atlantic League has a couple of monsters out there and a couple of shorties, and we can see what's going on. And then the other ones, you know, are the ones that we've talked about, right? Trying to speed up the game a little bit where the time between uh, innings pitched and pitching changes uh, is reduced from two minutes, five seconds to a minute, 45. Uh, They also have the three batter minimum for pitchers entering a game, which I do not like. We talked about this before. I do not like that. Um, the only thing that I would say for for the pitchers is that if a player is listed in the lineup as a positional player, that player cannot pitch. I would be in favor of that. If you if you are listed as a pitcher, then then no matter where you are, if you pitched the previous day or you're in the bullpen or whatever, 
then you are you are able to pitch. But if you are a position player, then you can't. That forces the manager to be a little bit more judicious with uh, his changes and how he wants to do the matchups against the other hitters, especially in a close game that could go 13, 14, 15 innings. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've run out of pitchers. Well, I, I think the position player pitching, I think that's like bringing in your backup catcher to throw the eighth inning. Right. Uh, that's only really seen in a blowout where you just don't, at, at that point, you're losing 16 to three and you just don't want to burn, burn another bullpen guy. I mean, that is so rare that I, I don't, I don't know if that really comes into play there. Um, I don't like reducing the pitching change time from 205 to 145. These guys have to run in there. To me, that doesn't slow up the game. That really doesn't slow up the game. Yes, you have pitching changes in the course of a game, but these guys still got to get out there, run from a dense sprint, get their win back, and then Bring throw the you one. Well, you could. What happened I, to the golf cart? That was the greatest thing in the world. You put on the jetpack. You want to get there? You put on the jetpack, right? <laughs> Let's bring the jetpack to Major League Baseball. But I, I'm not a fan of of the of the 205 to 145, and I'm definitely not happy with the three batter minimum. No, I am not happy with that. No, no. What What about their last one? There will be no mound visits unless a pitcher is removed from the game or for medical issues. Nah, I don't like that either. You know, sometimes a pitcher just needs a word from the pitching coach. They may see something. I, I don't know. I, I think it's maybe you take away the mound visit and you call it, you get a timeout. You get three timeouts in a game, right? Basketball's got timeouts. Football's got timeouts. Hockey's got timeouts. Let's give them timeouts then. And that's what you do for a mound visit. I can to call a timeout. I got to talk to my pitcher. And that's what you get. And just don't call it a mound visit. I'll call a timeout. I want to talk to my center fielder. Something's. He's missing something out there. I, I need to talk to him. Just call it a timeout. They should do like the NFL does. All pitchers have a green dot on the back of their hat, and the pitching coach can talk to him in his ear. Oh, hey, oh look at you. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this plays out in the Atlantic League. Interesting. Um, a little progressive, maybe a little ultra-progressive, if you will, with some of these. I, if I if I were to look at any of these that actually had any merit uh, to move to Major League Baseball, I don't think it's the mound moving back to 62-6. I don't think it's the larger bases. I do think that it, it would be the banning of the defensive shifts, and I think it would be the time clock between pitching changes. Okay. Right. So only time will tell, and we'll see. But Stevie D, it's time for Fantastic Finishes. Uh, Fantastic Finishes is brought to you by Wanna Follow. Stay up to date on all of your artist social media updates on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all the rest in one place. Wanna Follow's patent pending technology keeps you updated on all of your favorites by bringing all of their social media updates to you. And for Fantastic Finishes, we have to acknowledge the run by the KU men's basketball team. And the reason why we are acknowledging the run by the KU men's basketball team is because of teams like Texas Tech and Kansas State University, which stopped the 14-year season win streak, conference win streak for the Jayhawks of Kansas. 
Well, being a resident here, I have to say, thank God it's over. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing all these Rock Chalk Jayhawk fans talking about this 14-year run. That, oh, they're so great, that's so great. And I try not to disrespect Texas Tech and Oklahoma and, and uh, uh, K-State. But when you have when you have a team dominate for 14 years, is your conference really any good? Now, mind you, I'm not huge in the college basketball world. I'm, I'm not like like you that really knows college basketball in and out, right? And so, but to me, on the, from an outsider perspective, who's not huge in college basketball, is that if you win for 14 straight years, is it are you, is your program just that good, or everybody around you that bad? That's the New England Patriots. That. Well, yeah, it's everybody because we're that bad. Yep. Right. And so that's why I'm just glad that it's over um, for, for, for Kansas, right? That, that, that run is over and we don't have to hear about it here anymore that how great, great their program is. There's no doubting how great their program is, but like all good things must come to an end and thank God it's over. Well, Stevie D I have to say, we have to take credit here at official word sports. Yes. Because the nail in the coffin for the Jayhawks, was the most recent loss that they had to the Oklahoma Sooners. And if you have been an avid listener, you remember that we had Carlin Hartman, assistant men's basketball coach on for University of Oklahoma, and we told him, you have to take down Kansas. And that they did. He did. You know, he's a prophet. He said he was going to do it, and he did it. So we we absolutely are taking credit for that, you know. Without without our injection of positive vibes for <laughs> the University uh, of Oklahoma, you know they may have they may have struggled in that one. But you know we it was up to us. You know we had to put our foot down. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Somehow we're going to take credit for that one. So also in fantastic finishes, and, and this one it, <laughs> this one's kind of kind of tricky. You had the Toronto Blue Jays' young phenom, Vlad Guerrero Jr. He was scheduled to be sent down to AAA Buffalo to start the season for three weeks. And you were explaining, why why don't you explain to everybody again uh, the benefit of having Vlad Guerrero Jr. start in AAA? So basically, Major League Baseball's got this weird rule that if you come up during the season. So for argument's sake, they, I think it's after eight, the eighth game of the season or something, it's some weird uh, rule that uh, after a certain amount of games, if you bring up a player um, after that point, the team holds, has another year of control when it comes to their money. And so instead of being under team control for six years or being salary eligible, salary arbitration for three years you're now have control for them for seven years with it being uh four years of uh, salary arbitration three years of i call it bs kind of races the first three years right so the benefit is is that you take a young player for the blue jays and say well i got another year of team control so you tell me if i sit this guy in the minors for an extra for the first eight games of the year it's some ridiculously low number amount of games because it happened to chris bryant with the cubs a couple years ago if they sit him in the minors for the first eight to 10 games of the year, they automatically hold their rights for an extra year. It's the silliest rule. I hate the rule. Um, if a player deserves to be in the majors, he should be there. 
not because the team wants to save a few dollars. It's because it has impact throughout free agency, the whole nine, once they're eligible, the way baseball is now changing with, with contracts, it, it, it really hurts Vlad um, from that perspective. So it's a silly rule. So go ahead. No, I, I'm just – I'm saddened that that he is not going – first of all, I'm saddened that he's he wasn't called up last year. I want to see this guy hit, right? We all remember what his dad did out there. There was not a pitch that was unhittable for Vlad Guerrero Sr. Hey, he would hit anything. It would bounce off the ground, and he did it. It would be over his head, and he'd hit it. And, boy, would he hit it. <laughs> he, he hit home runs of, of pitches that you couldn't imagine. There wasn't anything you couldn't throw. And so then – here comes his son, and he is just an instant launch pad. I mean, everything that he's touching is going out. And so I re- really wanted to see him last year. Okay, I understand that they kept him down in the minors, but this was supposed to be the year, and he was going he was going absolutely nuts in spring training. And then he had a grade one oblique strain, and it's going to keep him out at least three weeks. Uh, so he's going to start the season on the DL. Then it'll go into – uh, as you were talking about um, keeping him down so that they can control the contract. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, whenever he comes up, he, he is going to be the phenom. We can almost do our preseason uh, American League Rookie of the Year and call it right now that it's going to be Vlad Guerrero Jr. Yeah. Um, I'm, I, I'm telling you, the Blue Jays lucked out. It all, it all worked. The, the, the gods were smiling down um, because it, it takes away from them to actually – have to make that decision and get the pressure from the agent and everything like that. Absolutely. So Stevie D that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, again, you can always follow us on our website, officialwordsports.com. Follow us on Twitter at real OW sports. Uh, and we're all over social media. So wherever, just stop by and give us a shout. I'm Vince. I'm Steve. We'll talk to you soon.